0: KUAF is supported by Arsega's drive through location at 1509 MLK in Fayetteville. Open 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. with a full coffee menu, espresso options, seasonal drink, and small foods menu. Arsegas.com or Facebook for more information. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, August 3, 2023. I'm Kyle Callums And I'm Timothy Dennis. Ahead, eight days of
1: live music suggestions and recommendations for bedtime music after you get home from the live show. Leah Uribe uses bedtime as a launching point for her latest edition of Sound Perimeter.
0: First, earlier this summer, faculty and students from the University of Arkansas World Languages, Literatures, and Cultures Department conducted fieldwork at ancient Roman sites in Tunisia and Sicily. Professors Dave Frederick and Curtis Mon were joined by PhD students Mitchell Simpson and Rachel Murray to take panoramic photographs of the sites, then use video game technology to develop interactive tours. Frederick told Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth this project, called Mediterranean 360, draws on years of collaboration between classical studies. In game design.
2: So I've been working with the game, game technology like the Unity 3D game engine since about 2007 or so, 2006. So that in a sense wasn't new, um, but what was new was first of all the notion that we could use 360 panoramas where a camera with mul- uh, a rig with multiple cameras captures a whole environment in one go and we could set interactivity and interactive tours and games inside that environment. The second side of that was a faculty realization in classical studies, and certainly involving Rachel, that there's a whole side of antiquity, classical antiquity, that doesn't get taught very much, and that's everyday life. And so there can be a whole lot of battles and generals and the elite doing this and the elite doing that. And often those elite look like they're kind of like white European, but a whole bunch of this culture is not that. And so looking for just a much broader Mediterranean focus on what it means to be, quote, unquote, Roman, which for our, like going to Tunisia involves a whole bunch of like Punic influence, Carthaginian influence, Numidian influence. In fact, the city of Duga has a mixed Numidian Roman government for quite a long time. So trying to get at that cultural diversity and that mix of cultures and identities led us to Mediterranean 360. And you can see that, right, in a
3: classics course, right, to explore ancient civilization, but we can also bring that into a world languages course, right, we could have French voiceover for the same experience, and then Tunisian Arabic, right? So um, the applications there, especially in a world languages, literatures, and cultures department, are very wide-ranging.
4: Yeah, and I'd love to talk about a little bit just the interdisciplinary nature of this project, you know, having people from comparative literature and medieval studies and, and all of it, like game design. Can you talk about bringing all those things together? Maybe for me, it doesn't sound like a natural fit, but maybe you guys were like, oh, yeah, obviously this all makes sense together. Was there some like convincing that was involved or?
2: No convincing around this table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say for universities beyond ourselves, beyond uh-huh. this group and beyond we're there's some convincing that has to happen, but really it goes back to the initial impetus for games and classics. Classics is very interdisciplinary because you're responsible for teaching this world, which is not just Greek and Latin language, but architecture and art history and diet and economics. So when I first got involved with this Game Engine Unity, it really occurred to me, first of all, that's going to be the future of education. Also, the way games get made you got to have artists, you got to have sound people, you got to have designers and coders and narrative people. That all comes together in a game. For me, that didn't seem so far from what Classics does, which is bring all this interdisciplinary stuff
1: together to tell a story. I mean, when I was asked to join the trip, I kind of felt like the oddball, um, the odd duck in it. My my focus is the British Isles, and I specifically do Irish and um, Welsh texts in Latin. Uh, in some ways, this was a way to sort of be on the ground to see how a project gets put together like this. Um, and it was um, incredibly exciting to, to work with people that are eager to sort of branch out of their disciplinary silos.
4: I'd also like to talk about you know, why you guys chose these sites and, and what you were looking for when you were scouting some of these sites. You know, I, I think when we think of classics or, or Roman antiquities, we think of Italy, mainland Europe, Mm -hmm. but choosing some of these sites, breaking out of that mold, you know, why did you choose these, and what were
2: you looking for when you were scouting them? Part of that was practical, and we had the relationship with Tunisia, but the other side of that is there's incredible... We'll call them Roman, in quotation mark, cities that are there, Bularegia and Duga, Uthna or Udna, which we went to also. And I was only, as a classicist, a lifelong classicist, I knew actually very little about those sites. And that's because they're marginalized within my own field. So we chose these sites with that story in mind, which is really diversifying the story of classics. You know, when uh, Professor Kareem Azizi from the University of Manuba, when he initially reached out to
3: me, he was interested in the intersection of video games and what we'll call them serious games and education and just the overlap that that Dave is also working in classics. And that was something that Kareem and and Hosni at the University
2: of Manuba really wanted to explore. Yeah, for us it's super uh, also important more broadly in the region. Game design is not yet a major at the University of Arkansas, which if you think about that, it's like 2023. That's an issue because we're like at one of the retail centers of the universe. And retail and games are obviously on a path to intersect very deeply. So this is really critical skill sets for our students. And for us, this is all part of a piece of having humanities be the driver of that.
5: And I also think from the grad student perspective, this turn towards game design and digital humanities is necessary because you know, no one goes into to graduate studies in classical studies for the money. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do it because it's something we really enjoy, but also academic jobs are only shrinking. And there is this practical component of thinking, okay, this is a topic I enjoy and I love. How can I make a career out of it? How can I make a living from it? And so incorporating these digital um, skills is not only exciting, it's important.
4: And so let's get into sort of the logistics of the the actual trip. What was that process like to go through to actually video and take pictures of these sites? Walk me through what? that experience was like for you guys. For me,
3: it's it's such a nice balance to the sort of a lot of the theoretical work mm-hmm. that at least uh, many of us are uh, doing in, in, in the classroom, right? And getting out there and seeing, you know, what what is the actual labor behind one of these interactive 360 tours you know and it's getting to that site it's building those relationships it's getting those
1: those permissions to to go to these sites i mean there were some of those sites in sicily we tried our best to keep all the other tourists through there to, um, out of the shots but like in agrigento it was such a popular site that There were right. so many people there we had to just sort of accept that this is going to be part
4: of it. Well, when you guys are ta- so you're taking pictures of, of specific sites, but then you're compiling it into a into a story, into a narrative for people to put to, like you're putting it together later. How do you go about deciding? Okay, this is how we're going to convey that scope. This is the narrative that we're going to tell about this this site. How do you put that together?
3: It really helps to have the the expertise. The like, site specific expertise of people like Dave Frederick and Rachel Murray, and then our contacts at the University of Manuba, especially Ines Barawi. Mm-hmm. You know, we're showing us around these sites and we're kind of moving through the space. It's very experiential. You have to go there and feel, okay, this is kind of a natural flow here, and,
2: and then, you know, test whether, well, is it? And they're real different. We had uh, the Villa Romana del Casale, which is in Sicily also, which is the largest single collection of in site mosaics that exist from antiquity. How do these rooms feel from the inside? Where do we put our camera to best convey? Because the mosaics themselves are storytelling. Mm-hmm. So how do we how are we going to help that happen? So we had a little bit of conversation because I had gotten permission and gotten permission actually to wor- work on the floor level. But like actually putting the camera on it, which involves us walking on these very ancient mosaics. Okay. And the second day of of our shot of our shooting there, we had uh, an archaeologist from the site who was super helpful. And that's also a part of doing this. Mm -hmm. You don't know who your local contact is going to be. But I mean, uh, my Italian and her English is non-existent. But she communicated a lot about what the danger points are Mm -hmm. and why why these mosaics are in danger that's kind of the irreplaceable part of doing a project like this is, is that kind of intimacy with the place, recognizing how, how absolutely fragile this history is, uh, how important it is to capture it, and then also not in a book, you know, but in this kind of interactive way.
5: Yeah. The camera itself can look a little threatening because it's sort of a black orb on top of a tripod. And so you set that up in front of this temple where there's tons of tourists walking around and everyone wants to go up and be like, what is this thing? What's going on? And they're like yeah. getting up close to it and touching it. And we're like, we're lying behind stones, just like, please just move <laughs> so we can take the shot.
2: Yeah, it, it, in itself, it's kind of like this dramatization of like, you know, modern technology meets antiquity. And there it is, this thing looks like, at you know looks like it's out of a space odyssey sitting in front of the temple.
4: Yeah, well, bringing it home just a little bit, um, why is it for someone who's in Arkansas, maybe listening to this, they may, they may never go to one of these sites. Why is it important for them to have access to this? What what could they get out of it?
2: Uh, boy, I would say there's. we haven't had the technology to make these places speak the way we can now, like through an interactive 360 experience. And even they don't have to have a headset like uh, because that we realize that's a big barrier from from almost everyone. So that's still such a small piece of a market. So even through a desktop, though, you can pan and zoom and find stuff out. And it very much immerses you in the site. And I think, well, why do I need to care about that is because, wow, so much of the ancient Mediterranean is the Mediterranean now. Like that history from antiquity through late antiquity, the the development of Christianity, the spread of Islam, intersections of that, like in a place like Sicily, that is the story of cultural diversity. If you think about Arkansas right now, it's a story of cultural diversity.
5: If we say like the field of classics sort of ignores what's going on in the north of Africa, your average person has no idea the amount and the the level of preservation of Roman sites that are in northern Africa. And so when I was preparing to leave and telling people where I was going to go, I'm going to Tunisia to film Roman sites, the um, response was always, I didn't know those were there. And so this is a way to sort of expand people's ideas, not just um, students and scholars, but expand the average person's idea of what Rome could be.
3: For our language learners, this is so exciting to bring this kind of interactive digital material that we're driving here that students could, could, could help create to bring that into the language learning classroom. I mean, that is such an exciting opportunity. And I can't wait to, to start incorporating this into French classes, into Arabic courses.
4: So what is the next application? Where, where will these end up? And then sort of how will this be applied uh, going forward? Where, where could people maybe find this in the future? Uh, you know, I could say with with,
2: with certainty that in this fall, we will have some workshops yeah, because we want to make students and our faculty fluent in how to make applications. So I mean, because uh, this is something students can learn in a couple days. Almost all
3: our events are open to the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, so folks who are listening to this are interested in what we're doing here and, and similar projects. They should definitely uh,
1: check out the website and come to our events. That was Dave Frederick, Curtis Mon, Mitchell Simpson, and Rachel Murray speaking with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth last week. You can find out more about the Mediterranean 360 project from the U of A in the digital version of this story on our website. That's Ozarksatlarge.com.
0: Ahead on the show, Maxine's tap room is a Fayetteville mainstay.
6: So she was really one of the first pioneering female business leaders in Fayetteville proper.
1: How the bar's founder and namesake still resonates and how her legacy helped break a University of Arkansas fundraising record. That's ahead on today's show. Every day, you hear lots of news on Ozarks at Large. But have you ever wanted to test your listening skills? Now you can with KOAF's word puzzle. It's just like your other favorite daily word games that feature five-letter words and color-based hints. But you might even get a hint from the previous day's Ozarks at Large broadcast. Go to KUAF's website or newsword.org slash KUAF to start playing daily puzzles now.
0: Tax revenue is up 4.5% to begin the new fiscal year in Arkansas. That's a comparison of this July to July of 2022. And it's already more than 3% higher than the forecast created by the Department of Finance and Administration. The most recent fiscal year surplus of $1.1 billion was the third consecutive year of a surplus of near more than $1 billion.
1: The next few days in northwest Arkansas and the Arkansas River Valley are expected to be the hottest days of the year. Darby Bybee is chief meteorologist for 4029 News and he says it's normal for the last week of July and the first week of August to be the hottest time of year.
7: You know if you look at all the hottest temperatures that have ever occurred in this
1: area a lot of them happened that first week of August. Darby says you can expect the heat to really be at its peak beginning today in northwest Arkansas.
7: The worst of the heat may be a little bit delayed compared to northwest Arkansas but it's going to be worse in the River Valley. It always is a little bit hotter in the River Valley usually by several degrees. Uh, but we're talking about high temperatures in northwest Arkansas to round out the week, right around 100 degrees actual air temperatures. in The River Valley in the range of 102 to 105 actual air temperatures with the humidity across the area feeling like 105 to 115. That's the heat index, what it feels like when you factor in the humidity.
0: If you are going to be outside, whether it's for work or pleasure, Darby says it's important to take the heat seriously and find shade whenever you can
7: listen to your body. If you've had heat exhaustion or heat stroke issues in the past, for most people, it's been easier for that to happen again. and So you're more susceptible if it's already happened to you in the past. You'll need to be drinking lots of water, and that is a big part of it. You know, it's not just water, but getting electrolytes in your system. And that can come from Gatorade, but it can come with anything that has electrolytes in them. That, that really does
1: help. Heat and high temperatures are the most deadly weather-related hazards in the U.S.
0: And the Walton Family Foundation is investing more than a million dollars in a K-12 education initiative. The foundation announced yesterday this funding will allow a Cleveland-based organization called Young Entrepreneur Institute at University School to expand into northwest Arkansas. The two-year pilot program will allow public and charter schools in the region to access curricula, materials, and experiences from area and nationwide providers.
8: Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. The new issue of the magazine is out this week, which includes a cover story examining a change to the state's child labor law. That new law went into effect this week. We've also got our annual list of the region's largest law firms. Kootak Rock remains the largest law practice in northwest Arkansas with 30 attorneys. The national firm, headquartered in Nebraska, has regional offices in Rogers and in Fayetteville, but the Fayetteville office has a new address. Earlier this year, Kootak Rock relocated from Millsap Road to East Joyce Boulevard. The law firm is the lead tenant in a new 39,000-square-foot office building on Joyce Boulevard. An investment group led by Fayetteville builder Kyle Naples owns the three-story building. After Kutak Rock, RMP and Mitchell Williams are the second and third largest law firms in northwest Arkansas. You can find this year's list online now at nwabusinessjournal.com. We'll hear from University of Arkansas economist Mervyn Jebaraj after the break. You are listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report.
9: Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender.
8: University of Arkansas economist Mervin Jebaraj says the U.S. economy is not too hot and not too cold. Now, if that description brings to mind the central character of a popular nursery rhyme, well, you're not alone. We'll let Jebaraj explain in a recent interview with Roby Brock. And I could have asked you if interest rate hikes are cooling the economy overall, but I can tell you that they are not. Uh, we've got low unemployment. We've got s- still some very healthy consumer spending. The labor force participation rate is uh, improving. And then we had a really strong GDP reading this past week uh, for the second quarter. And it was a bit of a surprise as
10: well for how strong it was. Talk about what's keeping this economy so strong. So we're going to call this the Goldilocks economy, right? So we have uh, inflation finally cooling uh, quite significantly, anyway. And the economy, in spite of these fast pace of interest rate increases, uh, leaving us at you know somewhat historic highs of uh, interest rates here. In spite of all of that, uh, Federal Reserve action trying to cool the economy, the economy will not cool down, right? So, I think we're seeing uh, in the past week we saw GDP print come at two point four percent, which was higher than expectations. And I think it was largely because of the strength of the domestic economy. So if you look at the components of GDP, what really pushed GDP up this quarter uh, wasn't trade, uh, wasn't imports or exports, it wasn't inventory adjustments from businesses, but really was driven by consumer spending, by business investment, and some uh, government spending as well. So you know, consumers continue to be the bedrock of this economy. Uh, in spite of everything the Federal Reserve has done to try to cool the economy, consumers are still going out there and spending money. Now, consumers spend a little less money in the second quarter compared to uh, the first quarter of this year, uh, but that indicates that consumers are moving away from the high-priced durable goods, you know, used cars and those types of activities, into a lot more service sector um, expenditures. Uh, you know the. Uh, Third quarter uh, expenditures uh, are not out yet, but I think you can see, at least from consumer spending, a lot more people are going out and doing things. In the past uh, few weeks, we've seen a lot of consumers uh, engaging in Barbenheimer, going and watching two movies at once. Uh, Having not been to a movie theater in several years, they're suddenly spending a lot more time there. Uh, So I think, you know, a good move from the durable sector expenditures to uh, service sector expenditures is what's uh, driving the economy right now. And I think that can uh, provide long-term stable growth for the U.S. economy. The second and very important factor here is business investment. And a lot of that has come in construction of new manufacturing facilities. And all of these construction of new manufacturing facilities are basically Uh, In facilities that are investing in electric vehicles, electric battery technology, chips manufacturing, uh, all of those things that are driven by historic federal government expenditures uh, through the bipartisan infrastructure law, through the CHIPS Act, uh, through the Inflation Reduction Act, all of which had significant increases in federal government spending that boosted domestic manufacturing in these particular sectors so we're not seeing the increase in manufacturing in those sectors what we're seeing so far is companies going out and building new manufacturing facilities so we'll see new chips new batteries uh, new electric vehicles several years down the line but what we're seeing you know strong gdp growth from right now is that these companies are going out and building new factories new manufacturing facilities across the country and you can look at uh you know maps of this across the country. There's little splotches of new manufacturing facilities in metro areas across most of these states. So unlike previous manufacturing booms, these are not happening in rural areas. These are happening, you know, not quite in the city of Dallas, but immediately outside the city of Dallas. Not quite in the city of Austin, but immediately outside the city of Austin. Not quite in Kansas City, but immediately outside the city of Kansas City. And you'll note that I haven't mentioned any Arkansas cities on there, because <laughs> by and large, all of these investments in EVs and clean technologies have bypassed the state of Arkansas so far. So the perennial question, will we or won't we have a recession? <laughs> uh, so I think the last time we spoke, I said that I wasn't expecting a recession this year. Um that view has been confirmed by economists at the Federal Reserve as well for the first time. They are no longer forecasting a recession anytime soon. So given the incredible pace of growth in the U.S. economy, the historically low unemployment rates, uh, continued increases in job growth, high labor force participation rates, high wage growth, which is what we're getting these high labor force participation rates, uh, I don't see a recession anytime this year. And certainly the timeline for a possible recession is probably being pushed further into uh, 2024 than most people had it in their forecast. So at this point, there's no good reason for us to be in a a recession. The economy is doing great with inflation cooling.
8: That is Mervyn Jebaraj, an economist with the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas and director of the university's Center for Business and Economic Research. You can watch that interview online over at our sister website, TalkBusiness.net. In other news this week, J.B. Hunt is ordering 13 electric trucks from Phoenix EV truck maker Nikola. That order includes 10 battery electric and 3 hydrogen fuel cell trucks. They are all Class 8 trucks, which is the largest truck class. Nikola is expected to start delivering the vehicles this month, and JB Hunt will use them in the Los Angeles and Phoenix areas. Total Document Solutions of Lowell, that's an IT imaging company, has acquired office IT and print services provider Business World of Little Rock. Financial terms were not disclosed. And Bentonville-based Outdoor Cap, that's one of the country's largest headwear suppliers, is ranked number 25 on the PPAI Top 100. That is an inaugural ranking of industry leaders by the trade group Promotional Products Association International. For more news, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. Timothy, Dennis, and I are in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. It's Thursday. What does that mean, Timothy? Music. Yeah. Uh,
1: and let's actually start with tonight. Actually, something happening tonight is a continuation, of something that started earlier in the week and continues through the weekend, Johnny Town Grape Festival. The 124th annual. I know. That's kind of wild that yeah. it's been going on that long. A lot of grapes stomped over those yes, years. indeed. Music tonight includes Amber and the Relics. They start at 7 o'clock. And then Arkansas takes the stage at 9. And once you're in, it's free, right? Well, according to their website, it said free admission. Okay. And free parking, free entertainment, like, completely. I mean, if you want spaghetti dinners or anything like that, that's on you. But
0: But if you want to see that music tonight, just show up tomorrow okay.
1: night they're going to have one for the money and Maud Crawford on stage Ooh. and then Saturday music starts at noon with Dirty Flannel Shirt after that it's Abby Pierce and the Sinners Gone Country Phil Magara and Running on Empty and then Love and Theft closes things out
0: well that's a lot on
1: Saturday yeah that is a lot on Saturday Get your sunscreen the Tiny Town Grape Festival just drive down 412 you will not miss it no you will not <laughs> <laughs> and it runs through Saturday okay moving ahead to tomorrow night George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to welcome back the local psychedelic rock band, Green Acres. Admission is $10. That starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Nomads Trailside in Fayetteville tomorrow night is going to have a hard rock show featuring the bands Crossways Three Thousand, Ghost House, and Hell Tide. Right. Cover for that show is ten dollars. Starts at eight o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Nomads Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Also happening tomorrow night up in Bentonville, Bike Rack Brewing Company for their next patio concert is going to feature the indie rock band Townhouse Fire. Hmm. That you Show starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Bike Rack Brewing Company in Bentonville. Butterfield Stage over in Rogers tomorrow night. This weekend they're throwing a jazz and blues block party. Tomorrow night they are featuring the bands Abstract Citizen, the Don Cape Band, the King Cabbage Brass band oh, and Michael Fields Jr.
0: That'll be a heck of a show. Pretty heck of a lineup. Yeah.
1: Uh, of course, that is at Butterfield Stage, so admission is free unless you want tables or mm-hmm. anything like that. And that starts at 5.45 tomorrow night again, Butterfield Stage, Downtown Rogers. All right. Okay, moving over to Siloam Springs tomorrow night, Creekside Taproom is going to have the local Jamgrass band Three Pines on stage. They actually have their debut EP coming out later this month. Fantastic. With a show at Kingfish, but again, that's... In weeks to come. Okay. This show at Creekside Tap Room tomorrow night starts at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow night in Fort Flint Smith, Majestic by. is going to have Cody West in the house. He is a red dirt contemporary run, Texas country artist. He's from Denton, Texas.
11: Mm-hmm. And you asked me to forgive. You said let just go on in the
1: I guess my choice to make. Cover for that is $10 in advance, goes up to $15 tomorrow night, and that starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that is at Majestic in Fort Smith. Okay, moving ahead to Saturday, mm-hmm. Sequoia Center is having their 100th anniversary celebration. They sure are. As part of that, as we heard on the Community Spotlight yesterday with Pete Hartman, they're going to have music right. by Trout Fishing in America. Right, fitting. Fitting, fitting, fitting. And they're not only playing one concert, they're playing two shows. One in the afternoon in Clap Auditorium, more of a kid's concert. Mm -hmm. And then in the evening, they're playing a sunset concert for more geared toward adults. Tickets for the carnival and like the kid's show earlier in the day are $10. They're asking for $25 admission for the evening concert. And the show in the afternoons at 2 o'clock, evening show is at 7. I mean, we'll be close
0: to a full moon. Yeah. I mean, the full moon was this morning and last night, right? Right, right. But, but you, I mean, it'll look close enough to a full moon that it'll be a really cool event. What it's time, time be, does it start?
1: Uh, 7 o'clock. Okay. Moving on, also in Fayetteville's Saturday night, George's Majestic Lounge is going to have Opal Agafia, Aaron Cam and the One Drops, Brickfield's duo, and Michael Scambry's Hip Hop Fiddle. Good grief! Uh, It's being presented by Ozark Mountain Soul. If you missed this year's Ozark Mountain Soul Fest earlier in the summer, Mm -hmm. this is your chance to see some of those artists. And what time does this start? Starts at 8 o'clock. Tickets are $18 in advance. They go up to $22 at the door. Okay. Again, that's Saturday evening at George's in Fayetteville. Back up at Butterfield Stage in Rogers on Saturday night, continuation of the jazz and blues block party. Mm -hmm. Saturday night, they're featuring the Austin Farnham Trio, the Jeremy Thomas Quartet, Young Jew Song Quartet, oh. Jimmy Bratcher, and the Rodney Block Collective. Wow. So more of a jazz evening right. on Saturday night. And it actually gets underway a little bit earlier. starts at 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon at Butterfield Stage in mm.
0: Rogers. It's a lot of acts on that bill.
1: There are. Moving on, Eureka Springs got a whole brewing on Saturdays, going to have the Springfield-based alternative Americana band Hometown Tourist on stage. That show starts at 6 o'clock Saturday evening again. That's at got a whole Brewing in Eureka Springs. Chelsea's in Eureka Springs Saturday evening is going to have the Kansas City based bluegrass band Whiskey Mash in mm. the house.
11: But I can still see the light. Everything's gonna be.
1: The show starts at 9 30 saturday evening again that's at chelsea's in eureka springs okay moving ahead to sunday prairie street live in fayetteville is going to have a children's concert featuring shaky bugs okay, jules
0: taylor jules taylor right and candy songs
1: So it's Shaky Bugs and The Backyard Bugs.
0: Wow. So, I mean, you got Trout Fishing in America Mm -hmm. with a a show aimed at young listeners on Saturday afternoon, then Sunday afternoon you have that one at Prairie Street.
1: Wow. Admission is $10 for adults, $5 for children age 2 and up. Okay. And all of that starts at 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, again, at Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville. Mm. Okay, jumping ahead to Wednesday... George's Majestic Lounge in Fable is going to have the band Horse Girl in the house. They're a and post-punk rock trio from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like away, downtown, downtown. Joined on that bill by the band Lifeguard. Tickets are $16 in advance, go to $18 at the door. That starts at 8 o'clock next Wednesday. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. Also next Wednesday, the Walmart amp and Rogers is going to have three doors down on
0: stage. Oh, they're, they're with some other folks, too, Yeah, they've right? got
1: Candlebox right. on the bill. I believe it's an anniversary tour for their sophomore album, Away from the Sun, which came out, I guess, 25 years ago now? yeah. I mean, if they're doing an anniversary, it would have to be 25 years, right?
0: It's not 10. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Uh, Tickets start at $30. That starts at 7.30 next Wednesday, again, at the Walmart Amp in Rogers. And then next Thursday, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have the bands Mildenhall and Ted Hemmig and the Campaign on stage. Mm. It's actually an EP release show for Mildenhall. They're coming out with their first EP. That's a live EP tickets are $10 that starts at 830 next Thursday again at George's in Fayetteville and then one more show okay next Thursday Butterfield Stage and Rogers for their local showcase Thursday are featuring Dandelion Heart oh, I love them Ozark daughter Tracy Ray Manus, yes, who's been in our studio
8: before yeah.
11: but there ain't nothing you can take you have not taken
1: Abby Pearson, The Sinners, and Riley McGill. All right, great lineup of local artists. That starts at six o'clock next Thursday. Again, that's at Butterfield
0: Stage in Rogers. It's pretty interesting. Eight days you just gave us. Yeah, eight days a week. There you go, Timothy Dennis. Thank you. Thank you.
12: Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Pedimeter. We open Soundpedimeter today with Insomnia, a work by Iranian composer Niloufar Iravani, from a 2018 live recording at Louisiana State University, featuring cellist Yu Ping Wu. I know Insomnia well. That is sleep disorder characterized by difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep or experiencing non-restorative sleep, even when there is an adequate opportunity for sleep. Just like after being awake in bed for an extended period of time, feeling frustrated, anxious and agitated, the beginning of this piece portrays long notes shortly replaced by more dynamic rhythms contrasting in length and volume and their dialogue. Resonant open strings in the cello are scattered throughout, constantly presenting tension and release, depicting the unrest of waking up multiple times during the night, restlessness, and towards the end, the desperate and hopeless feeling of longing for sleep. was Insomnia, a piece about the biological and psychological disorder that affects many, written by Iranian composer Niloufar Iravani from a 2018 live recording at Louisiana State University featuring cellist Yu Ping Wu. Lullabies are soothing songs or pieces of music played or sung to children and often used as a sleep aid. Taiwan-born pianist, Evelyn Shank, an active performer in Asia who enjoys collaborations with composers and artists across the world, recently started delving into the world of music composition with her fantasies for children, miniatures for piano solo, elegy for violin and piano, and the piece we are featuring today in Sound Perimeter, a counterpoint of sorts to insomnia, Partida's Lullaby. Chang wrote Partida's Lullaby as a gift to her own grandmother, inspired by a grandma's love for her newborn granddaughter, whispering stories of beautiful wonders in life. Because I also know well that in life every action has a reaction, enjoy this sweet piece that I hope will be solace and hopefully an invitation to rest. It was Partita's Lullaby, a piece written and performed by Evelyn Chank. Today in Sound Pedimeter, we offer two bedtime experiences, one of a struggle and one of comfort, both beautiful in their own way, both new and refreshing. This is Leah Uribe, professor of music and associate dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Penimeter. Sound Perimeter is a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis of KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This segment is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. Sweet dreams to all of you. I will see you soon.
0: is Ozarks at large. For nearly 75 years Fayetteville has been winding down the workday or celebrating the weekend at Maxine's taproom. The bar's namesake Maxine Miller was equally a Fayetteville fixture for decades. She often greeted customers while seated on the very same bar stool. This spring a crowdsourced University of Arkansas fundraiser in her honor broke records. Lisa Corrigan is a professor of communication at the U of A and director of the gender studies program. She says she approached Hannah Withers, a co owner of the bar, and Andrea Foran, Maxine Miller's great niece.
6: Hannah was immediately enthusiastic and introduced me to Andrea, who was, of course, Maxine's great niece. And together we started hatching a plan for the fund.
0: Hannah prefers the title of current co caretaker of the bar, and she says, she feels connected to Maxine.
13: and it made complete sense to me I mean I'm also a small business owner that has has created my my own places with with my husband as my partner we've created our own places that we are happy to see live on after we own them and now have two of them that are that are still going strong with new ownership and new caretakers and so I think um, honoring a business owner who was here for almost 65 years and her legacy and her role in the community and also her role with a lot of university of arkansas students it made complete sense for us to to honor her and sort of seal this in seal this in the archives of the university as a name that should be remembered in our community the bar business is fickle to last three quarters
0: of a century is to beat the odds but in 1950 maxine had the odds already working against her lisa corrigan says a single woman opening a bar as a sole owner in 1950 was incredibly difficult
6: couldn't have a line of credit couldn't sign the contract on her own so she borrowed the money from her parents um to buy the building in 1950 and as the sole proprietor ran it by herself but she she couldn't even get a line of credit in her name she couldn't get a mortgage she couldn't she couldn't get a line of you know woolworths like she was just not able to do those things, and yet she did it anyway. So she was really one of the first pioneering female business leaders in Fayetteville proper.
0: The Maxine Miller Legacy Fund was launched this spring as part of the University of Fund Fundraiser program, R-A-Z-O-R. Individual donors motivated by Maxine's story or inspired by their own experiences at the bar could contribute what they wanted to. Lisa Corrigan says the month-long campaign was a hit.
6: We hit our goal the first week, um, and it just continued to explode. The community support has been incredible. We were stunned that it ended up breaking. It shattered every single record for fundraiser for any of the crowdsourcing campaigns that have ever been done at the university. So we were thrilled. And clearly it speaks to both how important Maxine was to so many people, but also how important. Her legacy was as a woman in the community and how important they see gender studies um, in liberal arts um, education and certainly in land grant institutions in terms of their mission.
0: U of A reports the 375 individual contributors to the fund, also a record for the platform. Hannah Withers says those 375 donors also supplied hundreds of stories. And many stories were discovered when Hannah and her husband began their own ownership and remodel of the bar.
13: When Ben and I looked at this building and looked at the bar in 2008 or 9, when we moved over here after right after Maxine had died, we looked at this building and sort of began this relationship with Andrea and they her family has saved everything they have everything in storage they have letters from old bartenders they have um, Maxine used to ask people to handwrite letters of apology when they were asked to leave the bar for their behavior so she has handwritten apology letters from from people that were in the law department in the 70s who may or may not be in in positions of power in the Arkansas state legislature now. It's brilliant. I mean, that's when, when we really started to open up what this business was about, um, when you hear about how important bars are in a cornerstone, as a cornerstone in a community, you think about the revolutions that were started in bars and the politics that are discussed and the schemes that are cracked open by city hall people and plans that are made. Um, and and parties and celebrations and mornings and all of the things that happen in bars. um, We knew when we saw how much of it was documented and saved, we knew this place was really special.
0: Next year, Hannah wants to gather more stories as the bar approaches its official 75th anniversary. And there will be more opportunities to raise money as well.
6: The fund will support students and their research and conference travel and mentor expenses and scholarships. And it formally endows at $50,000, which just is not enough for us to meet the student need at the university. Um, And so we're hoping to endow it this year. We'll do another fundraising push next year. And the more money and the more community support that goes into the Maxine Miller Legacy Fund, the more students that we can help in perpetuity, which is something that Maxine did for her entire life and for her entire career.
0: Even though Hannah Withers is a current caretaker of the tap room and for years owned a different business across the street from Maxine's, the two never met. Lisa Corrigan, however, met Maxine once.
6: The first day that I was in Fayetteville house hunting, I wandered in to Maxine's. And um, and I met her then.
0: We have a great picture of Maxine pouring what I think is a Falstaff beer outside the tap room. And more information about the Maxine Miller Legacy Fund at OzarksatLarge.com. My city was gone. Um, Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders. Yeah. I love that song. I love them. I think that was from the second, no? I think third. it was the second
1: album. Okay. I pulled it from my vinyls. I okay. Don't, I don't remember which one.
0: Uh, the Pretenders, the band I haven't seen that I still want to see. And I know that James Honeyman Scott and, and the other fellow mm. died early on, but I still want to see Chrissy Heine in concert sometime. I'm kind of shocked that you haven't seen her yet. I am too. And she's she's on tour with the, the latest edition of The Pretenders yeah. this fall and summer not coming to the amp though.
1: If you could have traded one of your Springsteen experiences, nope. nope. Okay. Nope. 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 That nope, says nope, that nope. says everything nope. I need to
0: know. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is ninety one point three KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Gans, Oklahoma. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, Paul Gatling, Roby Brock. And Leah Rebe.
1: Additional reporting today came from Matthew Moore. I produced today's program and today's edition of Sound Perimeter inside the Harold and Blanche Culk News Studio. Additional assistance with the broadcast and the web versions of our show are provided by Jack Travis and Anna Pope. I'm Timothy Dennis.
0: I'm Kyle Kellams. Another brand new edition of Ozarks at Large tomorrow at noon and seven. We always have weekend Ozarks at Large Sunday mornings at nine. Timothy, what are you going to do this weekend?
1: Uh, going to go to the Great Festival tonight. Oh, good. Uh, other than that, going to see a Fred Armisen this weekend.
0: Oh, I'll see you there. Yeah. All right, and we'll see you back here tomorrow at noon.